Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the subject of the healing of the man at the Pool of Bethesda, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. Now, in the previous broadcast, I was emphasizing the importance of recognizing that the Lord Jesus was in the temple And the people in the temple, that is the Jews or the elders in the temple, were accusing Jesus of violating the Sabbath law. And the reason why they were accusing him of violating the Sabbath law was because he healed the man on the Sabbath day. The laws of the Sanhedrin did permit someone to heal someone else on the Sabbath day when there was a threat to an individual's life. And in the previous program, I explained that the Lord Jesus used This aspect of the law concerning life and death, he used that in order to describe the life and death issue that they were faced with and that he was the one who could provide them with life. He can provide them with spiritual life that will be the resurrection in the spirit that can take a person into eternity to experience and be a part of the kingdom of heaven. The Lord Jesus used that and he also used the fact that they were passing judgment against him because of what he did to explain that he had the authority to judge them. And while they did not have witnesses, they did not have two or more witnesses who could testify that he violated the Sabbath law, he had witnesses that he could use to judge them. And so I want you to understand the situation here, that Jesus is in the temple, and he is not just there defending himself for what he did. He is there attacking them, he is confronting them, with the reality that he is the one who is going to pass judgment on them. They are not the ones who are going to pass judgment on him. And in the previous program, I mentioned that there were four witnesses. Jesus had four witnesses. In the law, all truth was to be established on the basis of two or more witnesses. Two witnesses were adequate. Three witnesses were very helpful. But if you were able to get four witnesses, then you definitely have much more than you require. Two witnesses were necessary, three witnesses were very helpful, but Jesus had four witnesses, and he mentions each one of his witnesses. He explains in John chapter 5, verse 31, he says, If I alone testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies of me, and I know that the testimony which he gives about me is true. So he defers to his witnesses that he is going to use to testify against them. They were not able to find witnesses to testify against him, but he knows of witnesses that will testify against them, and he will be a judge of them. In verse 33, he says, You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth, but the testimony which I receive is not from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was the lamp that was burning and was shining, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. 
but the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John. So he starts with the testimony of John and says that John, referring to John the Baptist, John the Baptist testified that he is the Messiah. That was his testimony. That was why the living God sent him to declare that Jesus was the one who would baptize with the Holy Spirit. He is the one who will effectively restore the Holy Spirit to humanity to testify that Jesus is the Messiah. Was John sent from heaven or was he sent from man? Jesus confronted them with that question later on. They were unwilling to answer the question because they knew that if they said he was sent from heaven, then he would respond by asking them, then why didn't you believe him? And if they said from man, then they would be concerned about how the people would look at them because everybody considered John to be a prophet, which he was in that context. So Jesus refers to John and says, look, John is going to be my witness against you. My witness against you to support my messianic claim. And so these witnesses that he is referring to is not just to support his messianic claim. These witnesses that he is referring to are also going to be the witnesses against those who do not believe his messianic claim. And so that is his first witness that he refers to. The next one is described, continuing in verse 36, where he says again, But the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John for the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do testify about me that the Father has sent me. The works that he has done are his testimony. The works are his witnesses. And they know full well what he is talking about. When he healed the leper, when he healed the leper in the earlier part of his ministry, that corresponded to their beliefs concerning the Messiah. They believed that the Messiah had to perform that work. He performed that work, and so therefore, according to their beliefs about the Messiah, he now has a witness to testify against them. The miracle was also performed through the power of the living God. There is no question about that. And so the living God, the Heavenly Father, has testified through that work himself. So whether they are willing to believe that Jesus is the Messiah because he performed a miracle that they claimed he should perform, or because the miracle was something that God did within and through him, they should still believe. The healing of the paralytic is the same thing. The Lord Jesus has performed many miracles, and those miracles testify, those works that he has done testify on his behalf and also testify against them. These works are witnesses against them that they are not willing to believe his messianic claim. They are not willing to acknowledge that he is the Messiah, but they will testify that he is. The works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do, testify about me that the Father has sent me. Those works could have only been done by the divine himself, by the heavenly Father himself. Therefore, it is his testimony. In verse 37, And the Father who sent me, he has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form. You do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him whom he sent. So he says very clearly in verses 37 and 38 that the Father himself also testifies that Jesus is the Messiah. 
that Jesus is the one who he has sent. But they are not able to hear the testimony of the Father because they don't know the Father. They don't know him. They cannot hear from him. They are spiritually dead. They can't hear from him. That doesn't mean that he's not a valid witness. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with the Father. That means that there's something wrong with them. Jesus claims that he has a witness, and that is the Heavenly Father. And the fact that they don't acknowledge that he is a witness doesn't diminish his value, doesn't diminish his testimony. The Father is a witness to the Lord Jesus and will also, in effect, be a witness against them when Jesus passes judgment against them. Jesus has been given authority to judge all people, all matters. And when he does, he can use the testimony of the Heavenly Father as a means to legitimately pass judgment against these people who are trying to judge him for violating something that he did not. In verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. I do not receive glory from men. The scriptures are his fourth witness. The scriptures testify of who he is. He is testified of through the prophets directly. He is testified of through the law indirectly, through the foreshadowings that have now been revealed. The Lord Jesus is testified of throughout the scriptures, and they are not willing to acknowledge the witness of the scriptures. So the scriptures are not just a witness that testify of the claims of the Lord Jesus, but the scriptures will also be a witness against them for not believing that the Lord Jesus is the Messiah. The scriptures will also be a testimony against them. The scriptures testify of him who gives eternal life. The people acknowledged back at this time that they were spiritually dead. They acknowledged that. That was clear. They believed that through the study and observation, that is the study and observance of the scriptures, that it was through their repentance and obedience that they had life, that they were alive. That's what they believed. After reading the scriptures, every time you finished reading the scriptures, you would pray the following prayer. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who in giving us a Torah of truth has planted everlasting life within us. Blessed art thou, O Lord, giver of the Torah. I read this. I recited this. This is a prayer that has existed for generations going back before the time of the Lord Jesus. And I remember what it was like to read this prayer every time I read the scriptures. And I always paused in my own heart thinking, what is this everlasting life within me? I have no idea what this is. I don't feel as though any life is within me at all. I have read the scriptures. I have studied the scriptures. I have tried to live in total, absolute obedience to the scriptures. And even when I believe I have succeeded... It still is nothing. It is absolutely nothing. And people live to this day thinking that by the study of the scriptures, the prayer of the scriptures, the observance of the scriptures, that somehow they are going to experience life, that they are going to have the life of God, or they are going to feel as though they are living this life as they should live it. 
But I remember what it was like to be dead inside and to feel the emptiness within me. And folks, I am encouraging you. I am telling you that if you have sensed that, that there is something else, the something else is the person of our living God. That is the something else. It is the person who is testified of in the scriptures. And you must turn to the person. This is what the people believed back then. And I understand the sincerity behind it because I experienced it myself personally. But there is no life in the scriptures, even though this is what the people believed back then. And people still believe this today in different ways, but they still turn to the scriptures instead of the person who wrote them. Do not fall according to the same example of the disobedience of the people back then. They believed that through the scriptures, through the study of the scriptures, through the observance of the principles and the commands that were issued through the scriptures, that through that they would have life. And you shouldn't be so surprised about this because there are a lot of people today who believe the exact same thing. There are many people who are so incredibly devoted to the study of the scriptures, to observing the things spoken of in the scriptures. They are devoted and committed to finding every law that they can find and to observe every command and every ordinance and every suggestion, even anything that they can find, that they are committed. People are devoted to doing anything and everything they can to be holy, to be sanctified, to be righteous, not understanding that the scriptures testify of a person, that there is a person involved that this is not about having a relationship with the Bible. Look, I'm not saying that in order to suggest that we should not be studying the Scriptures. I do all the time. I'm obviously not suggesting that. I teach the Scriptures all the time. Don't get me wrong. Understand, however, that this is a witness. The Scriptures are a witness, a testimony of an individual. And that is where people fall short. They do not know the person. They may memorize the scriptures, they may know the word of God, but they do not know the God who gave the word. That's the problem. That was a problem here during the time of the Lord Jesus, and it is a problem that has survived to this day and will continue to exist. That people do not understand that the scriptures are not how we live. The living God is who we live with. That there is a relationship that we have with our God not with the scriptures. When John wrote chapter 1, he did not say, in the beginning was the Bible, and the Bible was with God, and the Bible was God. That's not what he said. He spoke of the word, referring to the word, the manifestation of the living God, as he has expressed and revealed himself to the people who he has created. Again, in verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. But this can be said also in the context of you search the scriptures because you think that that way you will find out how you're supposed to be living. You search the scriptures because you think that in that way you will know how to pass correct judgment against other people or against matters or issues of life, not understanding that the purpose of the scriptures was given to testify of a person and you do not turn to the person. What is this eternal life? This is the life of God. This is the person who created you in such a way that he alone can dwell within you. And it is his presence within you that makes you alive. And when you are resurrected, it is an eternal life, because there is nothing that you can possibly do to cause that life to depart from within you. 
he says in verse 39, it is these that testify about me. In verse 40, and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. Do not underestimate the seriousness of what he's conveying here. Because people fall into this trap all the time. It is everywhere. And it's difficult to see until you understand the difference. You must first understand the difference between the scriptures and the person who is testified of by the scriptures. And when you do, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It'll be very obvious to you. The problem that many people face, however, is that they do not know the difference. And you need to have some understanding concerning that. You need to have some discernment about this and understand that if a person is in the trap of believing that the scriptures is their source of life, that the scriptures is their way of life, if a person is in that trap, then they do not know the person And so they do not know that they do not know the person. Look, I'm sure if they understood that they didn't know the person, they would figure that out and they would realize that there's something that they need to deal with. But for the most part, people do not recognize that they don't know the person. Sometimes they do. And I hear phrases that people use in order to express this. Things like, I feel like I'm further away from my God than when I first got saved. Have you heard that one before? That is an example of somebody who has turned to the scriptures and not to the person who wrote the scriptures. That's one example. Another example is, is I've been doing this for a long time and I'm just hoping and praying that one day things will just click and I'll just know the Lord. People say things like this. They say things like this and it is a way of expressing the fact that they know that something is wrong, but they can't quite figure it out. And the more they go into the scriptures trying to find a solution the worse it gets because the scriptures were not given for that purpose. The scriptures were given to testify of a person, and if you don't ever turn to the person, it doesn't matter how much you study the scriptures. It doesn't matter because you still don't see why the scriptures were given. You don't see who they are pointing you to. But once you do and you go back into the scriptures, let me tell you, there is a major difference. There's a huge difference. The number one phrase that I hear people saying is that they feel as though somebody snuck in and rewrote the Bible on them when they weren't looking because it comes alive, because it becomes a living experience as they have a personal interactive relationship with their God and their God illuminates the word that he has given to them in a way that he speaks to them directly through the scriptures. He does this. He reveals things. He illuminates things. He gives us discernment concerning things. And he speaks to us about other things through the things that we study and read. And so that we can see things through his eyes. We can hear things through his ears. We can understand what he is doing. And we can see him allowing us to participate in the things that he is doing. And is there any law that speaks of that? No. Is there any prophecy that speaks of that? No, not in that way. No, this is a living experience that we all get to have if we will turn to the one who is testified of in the scriptures. He says in verse 41, this is John chapter 5, verse 41, I do not receive glory from men. That's a very simple statement and says so much. I do not care what men have to say, what men think, what they believe, especially about me. That is not my interest. That is not my concern. And, you know, I share that attitude personally. I think that's what the Lord Jesus was saying here. But I personally do share that attitude. 
that I really don't care a whole lot about what other people say, especially about what I believe. I really don't. I do have an interest in what people think. I do ask for insights, for suggestions. I do that quite often with some of the radio programs that I produce, that I have produced. I have asked people, give me your questions, give me your insights. Let me know what you think. What would you like me to include when I present this subject? Look, I am not excluding men, other people entirely. I'm only telling you that when it comes to my recognition, when it comes to my acknowledgement, when it comes to my value, when it comes to whether or not I am doing what God has sent me to do, when it comes to am I really teaching the truth or am I a false teacher, look, I have no interest in what people have to say about that. I really don't. I do not receive glory from men. If I am glorified in any way whatsoever, it is only by God himself. And if he does, I have nothing to boast in at all because I know that my entire existence depends fully on him. And if there is anything that is manifested within and through me, he is the one who is to be glorified. And so any glorification that I receive to me is nothing more than a reflection of his glory, definitely not a manifestation of mine, that's for sure. In verse 42, but I know you, oh, that's a very important statement, I know you, that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. What a powerful statement, that of discernment. And I can tell you that there have been many occasions when I've wanted to use this one, that's for sure, because I encounter a lot of people who want to pass judgment on me when it comes to various things, and I certainly can see the absence of the love of God in a lot of people. And I'm very thankful that the Lord has given me enough love in my heart to be able to withstand the evilness of individuals who I deal with, who I have to deal with on occasion, that he has given me enough love, enough kindness and patience and gentleness to be able to not only respond, but to be able to walk away and leave the situation alone. Because if a person does not know their God, then they do not know the love of God, and they are not receiving the love of God. And so what would you expect if they have nothing to give? If they do not manifest the love of God, then that also is a witness. That also is a testimony that they do not know the person who they think they know or who they claim that they know. The leaders, the elders, the religious leaders during the time of the Lord Jesus depended on the scriptures. They searched the scriptures. They studied the scriptures. Folks, they memorized the scriptures and they lived their lives devoted to everything that the scriptures had to say. But they did not know the God who wrote them, and so they did not receive and rest in his love, and so they had no love in themselves. And folks, if you do not have the love of God in you, you have nothing. You really have absolutely nothing. And while you may be able to impress a lot of people who have no love of God in them either, you may be able to impress them. There is no way you're going to impress someone like myself and others who do have the love of God in them. In verse 43, I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another, and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? You know why? Because they don't know the one and only God. That's why. They don't have an alternative. All they have is each other. And it's the same thing today. People often refer to their credentials. They often refer to their position that somebody gave them. 
They often refer to their status, their stature, or the number of people who pay attention to them, not recognizing that those things are completely meaningless. They mean absolutely nothing. And the only reason why you refer, folks, the main reason why people refer to things like that, refer to, well, I have a degree in such and such, and and I'm the professor at such and such theological seminary, and I've written 75 books, and all these kinds of things. The reason why people refer to those things refer to those things to give evidence or to give support of some kind to validate their credibility or to suggest that they actually have something to say that's worth listening to. The only reason why they do that is because they have no alternative. That's why. They have nothing else. And the only thing that truly matters is that which they do not have, which is the person of the living God himself. There is nothing else to depend on. And if I'm right, give glory to him. And if I'm wrong, fine, so be it. Pray for me that the Lord will intervene in a divine way to reveal to me the truth because that's what it's going to take believe me folks it's going to take divine revelation for me to acknowledge the truth to me there is no other way in verse 45 this is john chapter 5 verse 45 jesus said do not think that i will accuse you before the father the one who accuses you is moses in whom you have set your hope For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? He is clear, he is to the point, and he says directly to the people there in the temple that they will be judged because of the testimony of Moses. He says that he is the one who is going to judge them, but he is not the one who is going to accuse them. Moses is the one who is going to accuse them because they believe that they are being obedient to God. And Moses is going to testify that they did not obey all of the commandments, that they failed to do it all. And by failing to do it all, it doesn't matter if they did some. They are still going to be eternally condemned. This is the testimony of the Lord Jesus at the temple. He provides the witnesses not only for his messianic claim, but he provides the witnesses who will accuse them and who he will hear when he passes judgment against them. And for those of you who believe that your relationship with your God is determined or established on the basis of your repentance and obedience, you also will be accused of failure. You will be accused of disobedience by Moses, who has testified of what is truly required. There is nothing else but the mercy of God when it comes to God's judgment and evaluation of you. Depend and trust in His forgiveness, and you will have peace. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you, man.